Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast, where we talk about life, business, entrepreneurship, the beauty industry, and beyond. My name is Gina Bianca, life and business coach, salon owner, educator, mastermind mentor, and your host of the Gina Bianca podcast. Okay, there's two things you should know about me if you don't know already. Number one, I have kind of a tough love approach and I really think of it as like, I care about you, so I don't want you to walk around with food in your teeth. So I'm gonna tell you like it is in a kind way, but it's still, you know, pretty direct. So I'm not for everybody. Some people need a little bit of a softer approach and that's okay. So that's one thing you should know about me. And the second thing that you should know about me is in every single thing that I do, whether it be my business, my education, whatever it is, my salon, how I work with people, how I coach, everything that I do, I have one simple motto. Make it absolutely fucking crazy not to do business with me. And what that means is to add massive value for the best price. And I'm talking specifically about my mastermind group. If you have not looked into my mastermind group, I am encouraging you today for your business, for your growth, to check out the networkmastermind.com. Look at what's included. I have all of my online education in one place for you. And I do bi-weekly coaching calls to help you grow your business. You have direct access to me and our incredible community. It is absolutely crazy not to join Mastermind at only $50 a month. And you can also save on two months when you join for the year. It's an absolute no brainer. So go check out www.thenetworkmastermind.com to learn more and to sign up. I guarantee you, your life and business will change. Real talk, if you're not shopping at Marlo Beauty Supply, you are losing money, but don't worry. If you have a cosmetology license, you can sign up at marlobeauty.com and shop at wholesale prices with no minimum order. Marlo Beauty Supply only sells to professionals. This is key because they're one of the only companies that puts salons first. Marlo ships right to your salon, their shipping is so fast, and their website is always stocked with all the beauty essentials that you need. Their customer service team is wonderful, and all of their items have a 30-day return window, no questions asked. Stop overpaying for the essentials and head to marlobeauty.com. How do you talk about damage with your clients? Damage causes that frizzy, dull, and lackluster look. I love to fix all damage concerns with K18. Using K18 with all services reverses damage for better, longer lasting results between salon visits. Powered by Biotech, K18's patented molecular repair technology powers deeper, lasting repair in just two steps. Their Pro Mask and Mist are loved by top stylists globally, and I know you will love K18 too. Upgrade your services and your clients' routines with professional pricing at Salon Centric, 
k18hairpro.com or through your local K18 distributor. What is up everybody and welcome back to the Gina Bianca podcast. We are still in the thick of salon ownership unfiltered, this amazing series. It's been awesome to spend, you know, my days talking with so many amazing salon owners. I love salon owners so much. So being able to have these conversations has been really fun for me. And today we have another incredible salon owner, Nathaniel Batone. He owns two locations of Salon Nathaniel in Connecticut, in Meriden and Wallingford. He is an incredible salon owner and he was highly requested for this episode. So I'm really excited to sit down with you, Nathaniel. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I feel very humbled to be a part of your podcast. So thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for making the time. I really appreciate it. And working with my weird schedule. Thank you so much. Of course. <laughs> um, so all of these episodes, we have been kind of starting out with and asking uh, a series of questions. And one of the first questions I've been asking everybody, and it's, it's just like to test out like your, your background, um, do you have any like formal business education? Like, did you go to business school? Did you go to college? Any of those things? So I'll make a long story very, very short. I did go to college. I went for many, many different things. Um, I finally graduated with a associate's degree in graphic communications. So I have no formal business education whatsoever. And kind of the way I got into cosmetology or into being a service provider, a stylist is pretty much just stumbled upon it. Um, while I was going to college, I worked at a salon um, as their front end coordinator, and it kind of turned into something there. Like I just really loved watching everyone be super creative. Um, and that kind of sparked my interest of, hmm, I feel like I could do that too. So after I got my degree, I didn't want to be the only one in the family not having a degree. Um, I decided to jump headfirst into uh, cosmetology and here we are. I love that. I love it. So let's go back. So you were working in a salon in college and that's what kind of got you introduced to it. Yes. Um, you, you said you went to college for many different things, which I could relate to. My major was changing my major. <laughs> Yes. Yes. I hear that. Constantly like just switching. I could not, I did not know why I was there. Me either. Yes. (laughs) And then like when you got into hair school, did you feel like you belonged? Oh my God. It was honestly the first thing in such a long time that I actually, I remember this moment where I got my kit, I took out the flat iron and I said, Oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and that was such an amazing experience. I went to teach uh, teach academy in Guilford. Now it's a TG school. Um, and I was one of four other students. It was brand spanking new. And I think we were all learning together as we were going, like even the educators. But it was a great experience. And I think what helped kind of solidify everything was that I would go back to the salon that I was a part of and I would watch all those things being executed. So having like being a shadow in the salon and also going to cosmetology school was a really great indication that I was on a really great path. 
Yeah. I think that's amazing when you're able to work in the salon and go to school. I did that too. I was like obsessed with my salon Mm -hmm. and actually one of the girls who runs a chair at the network was my hairstylist, Caitlin. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. So she was my hairstylist and I remember seeing her, uh, she graduated from Paul Mitchell and I remember I went to high school with her and then I went Mm. to get my hair done by her and she was so professional. Mm. Like, she was so put together, so professional. And she was only a little bit older than me. So wow. I was just like, wow, like that could be me. Mm-hmm. And I ended up working in that salon, just assisting and washing dishes for free, just like to be in the salon. And I remember going to school and then after school coming to like wash dishes and sweep and just stand there. Yeah. And I feel like that was huge. It's like when you immerse yourself in it, it becomes, it, it's just, it puts it all together. Yeah. And then when we go to like cosmetology schools and talk to the young students, I always like my first question to them is, are you guys shadowing? Like, have you started shadowing? And most of them look like deer in headlights saying, what do you mean by a shadow? I'm like, you need to start doing this now. You need to get into salons now and shadow and see what they're like. Because like you said, you've interviewed so many salon professionals that they're all uniquely different. They all offer something uniquely different. You need to find your vibe right out the gate. So by shadowing, that's how you're going to find out what is on your checklist of what I like and what I don't like, you know, Absolutely. so huge. But when I love that you just said that um, you fell in love with the place you worked at, I fell in love with it so much that I bought it. So I got an opportunity. So I was, I was in cosmetology school. I was a little bit older. I was 24, 25. Um, I was part-time and I had two part-time jobs. I went through it like 15 months and then I was launched on the floor at the salon I worked in, I was on the floor for like two and a half years. I pretty much got to the top where I was going to be in two and a half years. I'm like, well, what's more for me? Like, I'm only going to get a pay increase if we raise our our prices. And at that point, the salon owner that I learned so much from, she was like, listen, I want to sell my salon and I want to sell it to you. And I'm like, to me, what what are we talking about here? And it sounded like a great idea. So I'm like, okay, let's do this. (laughs) <laughs> so that began the journey <laughs> that is amazing yeah yep I love yep. That. yep in 15 years and going strong so <laughs> I think that's like a telltale sign too if you're like if you could really crank it out behind the chair yeah. you can maintain a salon will it will you be able to lead very well that's separate that totally different question very yep. separate will it be awesome and will people love to work there separate question but if you like I rose to the top of every salon I ever worked at within a very short period of time and I think that that's like a telltale sign for a lot of people like hey like I could do this and a lot of people jump into salon ownership but they don't realize that there's a whole other part besides taking care of your clients and being being a leader and managing people is just so different so different. Well, that you in the beginning, you were saying, like, did you ever take a business class? I'm like, well, not only did I not take a business class, I never took a leadership class. Like no one taught me how to be a leader. So from like, I remember it was a Tuesday on Saturday, the salon closed and I was an employee. And on Tuesday, we reopened and I'm now your boss. And it's like, oh, my God, like what got me here was I get to decorate a pretty salon. I get to paint the walls I want. I get to do this, which is all well and good if that's your focus and your vision. But then on that first day of now I'm the owner, I'm like, oh, my God, I have all these people's careers in my hands. And how am I going to lead them? And how am I going to lead myself to lead them? So that was a totally crash course. And what do I need to do to be successful? And how am I going to make 
them successful. Yeah. And you did that at 25? At 25. Well, no, actually I did that. I did that uh, when I was 28. 28. Yeah. Yeah. Still super young. I opened GBH when I was 23 years old. Yeah. That is crazy. Could (laughs) you imagine? I didn't know my fucking ass for my elbow. I did not know anything. I knew how to market and do good hair and build hype. Like that's yeah, what I yeah, knew. Yeah. Hey, well, hey, some people have struggled with even that aspect. So kudos to you. I, I give you so much uh, praise for that. That's amazing. At twenty three so years crazy. young, my God. And oh. you came to my salon and bought some of my stations, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. Yes. During was it during COVID? It was during COVID. Yep. Yeah. Um, we had in twenty nineteen, June of twenty nineteen, we opened up our second location. Um, and then I obviously March of 2020, the world came crashing down and, you know, we were like, okay, what are we going to do here? Like, how are we going to be successful? How are we going to survive? And I knew I, we already started a renovation at the salon that I couldn't pull back on. And I'm like, Hey, we're just going to do this. Let's do this guys. And we were looking for new stations and yours popped up. And I said, Oh my God, they're absolutely beautiful. And I would love to have a little piece of Gina in our salon because she's been so successful. So Let's do this. How about this? And that was our first time of meeting in person. Oh my God. Yeah. That was such a crazy time. <laughs> oh God. It was a very, it was a very pivotal time. I think that time really changed everything in our salon company for, and kind of for the better. Like we just look at things so much differently now. Um, before I was such a control freak and I had a hard time letting go. And I think what COVID really taught me was to be more flexible And that is what service providers want now is flexibility, a work-life balance. And then we created something in our salon company called the Happiness Project, where if we're not happy, we have to reevaluate things. So it really changed everything for the better, for the better. Like that was something really pivotal that came out of COVID was a lot of great service standards came out of that. Yeah, I love that. I want to talk about the happiness project shortly. I want I want to know all about that. But yeah. really quick, before we get started, what is your business model and what's the vibe like at Salon Nathaniel? Uh, so the vibe is, you know, I always wanted something upscale, but also warm and welcoming. And I think you know this because you had an upscale salon and still do um, over at the network that you want it to be warm and inviting as well. So I wanted a professional appearance but where someone could come in and like, you know, take the weight off their shoulders, get pampered, feel good, and then leave with incredible hair. Like I always say at Salon Nathaniel, it's more than just a haircut, it's about the experience. So they can go anywhere for a haircut, but it's really the Salon Nathaniel experience that keeps them coming back. So that's kind of like where we start is with the experience and We have a six to nine month training program in our salon where we take, where ideally I love grabbing um, future professionals, cosmetology students, um, bringing them into the salon to mold them into our future professionals so that everyone is shampooing very similar. Everyone is giving the guests the same experience. And in hindsight, also, it's also very same. So we have a, a thing in our salon where if you can sit with anyone, and have the same exact experience. So that is very tried and true and kind of like our vibe in our salon company. One of our pillars or our foundations is education. So we are highly educated. I value and they value, like if you work in our salon, you're gonna value education. 
So we always invite um, educators to come in. We also go out for education and we do that probably 12, 12 times a year, if not more, where the staff is highly educated on the current and coming trends of the season. Um, and I think the other thing is I like, I, I do love doing hair, but I also love growing people as a business. So I think very early on, I was, you know, everyone's cheerleader and I always wanted to cheer everyone on. And by doing that, I've helped grow people to find out what they want, because everyone has their own idea of journeys and paths and, you know, successes. So we have um, monthly one-on-one -on -one meetings where we sit down with the staff and we say, so what's going good? What's not going good? And how can we make tomorrow better? So we're always asking, what are your goals? What are your journeys? And maybe it's uh, to buy a new car, to have a house, to be a $100,000 stylist. But each and every one has their own goal. And that's kind of like my men, mindset is to help foster each one of those goals and help you, give you the tools to attain those goals. I love that. So, so you're employee-based because you're training people. Yes, we are employee-based. Um, it is commission. So we are a commission-based salon. Um, yeah, and it's worked out very, very well for us, I have to say. Yeah, I love that. So now what is your daily role? Are you still doing hair? Like as a salon owner, what's your daily role? Yeah. So I think first and foremost, I'm a service provider at heart. Like I love doing hair. I love everything about it. Like everyone always says, I'm a balayage. I'm this, I'm that. I'm like, I'm everything. Like I love manipulating hair. So I think first and foremost, I am a stylist behind the chair and I probably do it probably a little too much than I should, but I just have a hard time getting over it because I love my people. Like I love them. Um, but I also make time for staff meetings, running the day-to-day -day operations, wearing many, many different hats, but also delegating to my mentors in training and my, um, my managers in training. I have this wonderful um, manager down in um, Wallingford, Rihanna Cochran, who I would not be able to run that salon company if it wasn't for her. And it's because we both communicate so beautifully and we both have the same goals for the salon. So that's first and foremost, but many, many different hats as you probably can attest to. <laughs> yeah, totally. I had to step away. I love doing hair, but I love educating hair, you know, so mm -hmm. I'm still doing hair when I'm educating, but mm -hmm. as a salon owner, it was super hard for me to balance oh, yeah. clients and staff. Yeah. So I give you so much credit for being able to balance it. And it, it really does take good people. Like oh. I wouldn't be able to do anything without my managers. They're amazing. And it's like so amazing when you find good people who get it and who care. Like, oh, yes. It takes a while. It takes a while to find those people. But I have to say, like, I am so blessed with the team that I have because we're all in this together and we're all on the same path, the same journey. And I think in a commission based salon, like I'm, I'm going to kind of speak for everyone, I guess, but I feel like you kind of have to be like you can't have one person running rogue. Like it has to be like we're all in this together. We can have our own goals and dreams and desires and journeys. But at the core values, we all have to really make sure that they're all of our core values. Yeah, I always yeah. Um, one of my favorite things I've ever heard is you don't have to be um, going in the same direction, but looking in the same direction. Yeah, like yeah. just everyone's kind of like, OK, like this is where we're going yeah. and like, you know, and not everyone's going to be the same pace or whatever, but it's nice mm -hmm. when everyone like can see 
the vision. And Gina, that's why I love you so much because you always have these great little tidbits, these little quotes that I'm like, where does she pull these things out of? I love that. Like, that's a that's great. Yeah. <laughs> Probably <laughs> therapy. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> I love it. Um, all right. So your daily role, you're doing hair, you're working with your managers, you're still meeting with your team. So you're doing it all. Like, I love that. Yeah. But also it. doing it very consciously. Like I'm making sure like everything is scheduled out. Like when I'm doing hair, I'm doing hair. But when I'm having staff meetings and team one-on-ones, like it is scheduled in the book. There, It used to be back in the day where I would do it after a guest or, you know, haphazard. Clearly that that, that didn't serve its perfect purpose and it wasn't as impactful as it should have been. So kind of bettering my best. I decided to really make time in my schedule to say when I'm on the floor, I'm on the floor. But when I'm behind the curtain, that's when I'm behind the curtain and not doing those things. So it's very, very, very scheduled out. I love that. And I think it's really important to talk about because when I go, I travel all over and I Mm -hmm. teach these classes with these stylists and so many stylists will be like, my salon owner doesn't do this or my salon Mm -hmm. owner needs to do this or my salon, we're going through this. And they will be bold in the middle of a class complaining about their salon. And I always ask them, I'm like, have you set scheduled time to talk about this? Like, have you asked for a meeting to talk about this? And sometimes they say yes, and they won't make time for me, or it's always after a guest in between a processing. And I tell people like, if they need to get something across, if there's like a real problem, like you need scheduled one-to-one time to talk about it. And it can't be in passing because salon owners, not only, not only hairstylists, right. When we're in the middle of a client clientele, all that are doing hair, it's really hard to shift gears. Like that's one of my biggest struggles. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of shit going on and it's really hard to shift from I'm working on my mastermind group. I'm working on my podcast. I'm I'm talking to my manager it's very hard to be present and shift so many times. Like I'm a human being. I can only do so much. Right. So yep. um, when people say something like is I always recommend one-to-one time with the salon owner and for salon owners, I think we need to, and it, this podcast is for salon owners. So I hope yeah. a lot of salon owners are listening. Mm-hmm. It is good to set boundaries with your team to say, this is the best way to communicate with me. Like I have a booking link, like anyone can book my booking link to get a 45 minute meeting with me. Anybody and my team can book with me at any time. Um, But that set schedule time where I could focus on you. If you come to me in between or you text me at 10 o'clock at night, like my favorite is when people text me at 9 30 in the morning hey can we talk later i'm like are you quitting (laughs) yeah first things first yeah let's have a conversation (laughs) i'm like call me right now this happened to me the other day it was five minutes before i started my class and uh in uh where the fuck was i in albany yeah five minutes before i go on stage hey we need to talk and i was like just call me now because i'm gonna be like thinking about it it's like there has to be some boundaries on how to communicate with me as a salon owner. If you find as a salon owner, there's a block in communication. Like Mm -hmm. what you just said is perfect. When I'm doing hair, I'm doing hair. When I'm working with my team, I'm working with my team. Like you've, you've learned it doesn't work that way. So having ways to communicate with your staff is going to help with communication. And communication is one of those driving things that makes a salon great or terrible to work with. So just something to think about. Um, if you're a salon or does your team know how best to communicate with you? 
Yeah. And I think you hit on something very pivotal was back in the day. And I still struggle with this sometimes is like that midnight phone call or that after hours text message. And I'm a fixer. Like I want to solve it right there, right now without any real thought. And obviously my emotions are high. The thinking is not happening. And I've learned that I'm like, okay, we will schedule a time for us to do this. I am not going to put any more time, energy, and effort into this conversation because we're going to schedule 45 minutes the next day. Because what's hap- then happens is then it just takes up space in my brain. Like it takes up free real estate in my brain and I am not here for that. And it just makes me nutty. So then what I've learned is I'm going to deal with it. And it also helps me really think and put things into perspective and have a very intelligent conversation to say, what was the problem? How can we solve it? Like, I love that you always say that is if you're going to give me a problem, you have to give me three solutions. And I'm like, yes, that is right. Like, give me your solutions. I'm not making this up for you. Like you give me the solutions. And that I think has made me stronger and also kind of respecting my time because they get at the beginning of the year. Well, now I would probably start for next year is I put in my calendar, everyone gets 45 minutes of my time the first Wednesday of the month. You get 45 minutes. Now in that coaching meeting, we have three options. I either I can mentor you, I can coach you, or I could guide you. Because what I found out is most service providers at different intervals of their or different times of their career need something different. And that can change very quickly. So in that meeting, I'm like, what are we doing? Are we mentoring? Are we coaching? Are we guiding today? And then they'll let me know. And I'm like, okay, great. So we're mentoring you today. So what was your service ticket average last month? Um, What was your retail to service last month? What was your pre-booking last month? Let's have a conversation of that. And what is your goal for either next month, six months, or a year? Like if your goal is $100,000 stylist, let's plan that out. What does that look like? Because this isn't going to happen by accident. It's going to happen on purpose. So let's make this happen on purpose. So if these are your end of year goals, let's have that conversation. Now in a, a guiding conversation, it could be someone who's a level four stylist who's doing amazingly well and wants to just continue to do amazingly well. Doesn't necessarily like has a goal of a hundred thousand dollar stylist, but we'll probably hit that as long as they're consistent. Okay, what's on your mind? You know, how was last month? You know, what are your struggles? What are your concerns? those meetings give them, like you said, it gives them a voice and then we can problem solve, we can celebrate, and then we can have like some content for next month. So that's kind of what those one-on meetings are. And I have to say they are the most beneficial, most important meetings for me as a salon owner, because I get to check in with them one-on-one and I give them, I give each and every one of them that opportunity to pick my brain. And if they don't have that opportunity, they might pick someone else's. (laughs) Totally. And it just gives you like a pulse on your company. You know, Um, the temperature, you know, what's going on in there. It's huge. Correct. And in some of your questions too, you were saying about like the financials and the profitability of a salon company. I thought that was brilliant. Um, I think one thing is profit is never guaranteed. Like there's no guarantee that there's going to be profit at the end of the year. So what I do is I look like I know what the goals of the salon company are, but I also want to be transparent with my team too of, listen, we want to do 10% or 15% over last year. In quarter one, we're looking for 10% over 15% over last year. 
what does that look like as a team goal? And then really bring it down into everyone having the same, like the same journey or not the same journey, but the same, everyone knowing what the vision is. They know the score. Correct. Yes. I love that. Yep. So we're very, very transparent about numbers. We're very, very transparent about service standards. Um, one thing that I did when I took over the in, over the business was I had my team rewrite our service standards, um, which is an employee manual, but who wants to say employee rules and regulations? No one. So I sat down in the first couple of meetings and I said, what do we value? What do we value as a core team? Like, what are your values? Like, how are we going to do beverage service? How are we going to answer our phones? How are we going to make confirmation phone calls? Um, how are we going to shampoo our guests? What are we going to wear? What are we going to look like? And that employee or service standard is reevaluated every single month to say, what has changed? Because as you know, as I know, every single day is different. Every single month is different. So we have to be evolving. And if we're not evolving and we're staying the same and stagnant, maybe that's where success is not thriving either. I love that you give them a voice too. Cause like oh, people do another good saying is people support what they help create. Yeah. So like a, a strategy I used to use at GBH is I would go into a meeting and I would know what I want to happen, <laughs> but I yep. would ask them like, how do you think this should be? Like what, like, and I would try to like get them to say it like, you know, we're not all shampooing the same way. It's like that, like we would talk about like, and this is just like a silly example. It's like, you know, what if your guests came in and they can't see you this time, but they're going to go see Brian next time. Like, don't you want to have that trust that they're going to have the same experience? And then it would end up at the end being like, we need to shampoo better. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I love it. You're leading them to that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> But like when they come up with it, they're like, yes, because it's like they have to get like the why. And it's so much more than like we need to shampoo better. It's like we need to trust each other. We need to give consistency. We make need to make sure the color is rinsed out. We want yeah. to make sure that we're taking advantage of this beautiful wash house we have. We want to make sure that we can educate greatly on uh, products and, that we're selling. Like it's like so many little things that go to one big thing when you're trying to create that consistency. I love it. Yeah. And I think oh, that now I want to open an employee-based salon again. Oh my goodness, <laughs> Gina. <laughs> um, I yeah. think the other thing too is if you're going to run an employee-based salon or a commission-based salon, it has to be everyone. Like everyone has. So there are certain things that I always follow and I always follow like, is it fair to all concerned? Um, will it be fair? All of those things. And if we're all not winning, then we have to reevaluate it. And I guess that, goes into like what we were talking about, like the happiness project. Yeah, I want to know about this. Like there's so much about our happiness project and happiness project kind of evolved out of COVID. And it was, I don't like, a lot of the industry was changing where it wasn't like our full time used to be 32 hours a week. And now I had service providers saying, well, I don't want to do 32 hours a week. I want to work out work-life balance. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like that doesn't even mean I'm 45 years old. We never had a work-life balance. We just worked. And if there was time for fun, we made time for fun. Like it never happened. Like, what are you talking about? And that was kind of like my mindset where I'm like, okay, I have to be flexible. Like I'm not giving away the salon and we're not throwing out our service standards. But if you are going to be a rock star three days a week and follow our service standards, and do some really awesome hair, 
why would I say no to that? Like that didn't make sense to me. So I'm like, you know what, let's reevaluate. And I think our happiness project is all about flexibility. It's all about, you know, making the salon environment a happier place, listening to employee concerns and really giving everyone a voice. And kind of around that, it turned into doing things together more as a team or having more camaraderie inside the salon company. Um, and then just watching everyone make more money, working a lot less. And it was kind of amazing watching like the happiness project kind of come together. I love that. So your staff can make their own schedules or are you, what do you, so, what do you think on that a, topic? So they, in, in a, in a certain way, yes. So what I say to them as a owner is I say, this is what I have available. So in our salon company, in, in Meriden, we are open five days a week. What's it five days a week? Maybe six days a week six days a week. And when then you have in, two locations, it just blends yeah, together. I don't know, but we're open. Um, and we have, what came out of COVID also was split shifting. So we didn't have any more of these like 12 to five shifts anymore. It's either nine to two or two to eight. So what I would say to the service provider is like, you can work any schedule you like as long as it fits in the parameters that we have. So on Monday, you can do, like we open up at two, we're here until eight o'clock do you want to do a two to eight or would you rather do a Tuesday nine to two? So, so I like that you're giving them a choice, but you also have the boundaries of what the company needs. Correct. Yes. <laughs> like I just had a brand new, well, she's not a brand new stylist. She's been with us for about a year level, um, level one stylist. She wanted to get another opportunity shift on the floor. And I said, well, what I have available is I have Wednesday at this time, or I have Thursday at this time, you pick which one you want. One happened to be a morning, one happened to be an afternoon. And a lot of my mentality, and this is like old school mentality is you don't get busy on a morning. Like I always thought that, like it was always like a, uh, nights and weekends, nights and weekends, nights and weekends. And I had two people leave me because I was being so rigid and not giving them a morning opportunity. And then my career coach checked in on me and she goes, you need to be more flexible. Why can't they do amazing here in the morning? Let's see if we can do that. I'm like, you know what? You're right. I'm looking for some answers. I'm looking for some guidance. So now I let them like a level one stylist work a morning shift and nine times out of 10, they're rock stars because they want to be there. They want to show me that they can be busy and they're doing amazing hair. So yes, they get to pick their schedule, but within the boundaries of what we have to offer. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really important. A lot of stylists today, like they want that freedom and flexibility. And nice. I think that that's amazing. And yeah. I think going booth rental works for some people. It does yeah. not work for everybody. everybody. And if you're an employment-based salon owner, your company, what you have for sale are hours for sale. So yeah. you need to staff those hours. So like if somebody wants to work at like two in the morning, like that's not going to work out. I love that you tell them you give them like what the salon has available so that the salon comes first because without the salon, no one has a job. So I think that owners, uh, salon owners need to like kind of think about that. Like, what does my company need and how can I offer this to my team? Like, I, I would always say like when I had, um, well, more today, like after 
COVID and seeing how things have changed. If I had a stylist who was 80, 90% booked all the time, I would be like, here's 40 hours, put them wherever you want. Yeah. Like if you could fill them, put them wherever you want. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but when you have the, um, what your company needs as far as hours and staffing those things, like it has to come first. The company has to come first. So I love that. Um, another question that I have for you is, um, since you're an employee-based salon owner, you're obviously interviewing, finding people. And you had already mentioned that you like, um, people out of school, which I always preferred hiring people right out of school. But what does your ideal employee look like? And I'm asking this question for salon owners who may be looking for team members, what to look for. Maybe you have something specific or special that you look for. Um, what, is, what are you looking for in a great employee? So you're probably going to laugh, but the only thing, the biggest thing that I look for is a nice person. Nice person with a nice personality. My biggest thing is I can teach you how to do some amazing hair. We could teach each other how to do amazing hair, but I can't teach you how to be a nice person. So like, that's really my biggest focus when hiring someone. Um, secondly, um, I think that there is so much, and you could probably attest to this too, a disconnect between schools and salons. Um, we have a couple of schools that we always pull from, that we always try very, very hard to make our name known, to be like, we're dropping off donuts on Wednesday, and we're going to put a couple of cards in there so that your students can see who we are. Like any opportunity where we can come in and either be a part of a career fair or um, do a class itself, we would love to do that. And we want your best and your brightest students. Like when they graduate, please send them our way. Um, we have an associate training program that really relies on the schools sending in their best and brightest. We have four trainers right now who are um, our salon mentors that are, are looking for associates to train them, educate them, and get them level one ready in six to nine months. Uh, Nathaniel, I want to open an employee-based salon. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> that, this was my favorite part. Uh, it's amazing. I think I have a an amazing associate right now. I always hear you say about your amazing associate, and I can't remember what her name is at the moment. I, Alexandra. I, yes. I have a young stylist right now. Her name is Shantae, and she has been like just such an inspiration to me as a salon owner, but also like she wants it so much, which makes me want to educate her even more. Um, and she is rocking this whole entire associate training program. She's bringing in two to three people every opportunity shift she has, like just totally like embracing this journey. And she's going to be a thriving level one stylist in no time. Probably by the time this airs, she is going to be rocking and rolling on the floor by herself. And it's going to be so hard for me to let her go. Um, but it it that's really where our training program goes into like setting them up for level one success. I always say that cosmetology school is like your bachelor's degree. Our master's degree is our associate training program. Yes, uh, I totally agree. Yeah. So, and we, I think that's where we struggle sometimes where we're looking for talented people and I'll reach out on Instagram. Like if I see talented students, 
I'm like always tapping them and saying, hey, listen, would you love to come and chat to our salon company? Some people say yes, some people say no. Um, but again, that's another way that we kind of do a little bit of recruitment. Like I'm relentless only because I find that the schools are not telling these young people where to go. Um, and there's so many great opportunities, your salon, our salon, there's so many great salons in our, in our state that are not being like having these students driven to them. So there's a little bit of a disconnect there. I agree with you. And like, I can't agree. I I'm obsessed. I, this was my favorite part about owning an employee-based salon mm -hmm. is the training, the beauty schools. Like I was such a huge part of my local beauty school where I went yep. and I would go teach classes every quarter. People are always like, where do you find staff? I'm like, go to the schools, the schools. go yep. to the schools. And you know what, something I heard you say, and I think it's really important for employee-based salon owners. You said I'm relentless. Yeah. Like when it comes to recruiting and finding people like you have to, what, no matter what business model and me and Victor Val, were talking about this on the first episode of this podcast, mm. we were talking about, you need to be training and building and growing because if somebody leaves to go Ooh. on, you can actually be happy for them because yes. you've got someone ready to go. Correct. If somebody leaves and you're comfortable you know, this has happened to me recently. Like we had 30 chairs booked in full and we had three people, two went part-time, one left. And I'm like, oh my God, we have three chairs open for the first time in six months. Oh, amazing. Yeah. In, yeah. in six months. And I was so comfortable. Yeah. Like I was just comfortable. I was like, no one's leaving, but like people can leave. And you know, people like to leave together. People like to go open a salon together or go fill a new salon together because people yeah. like working with their friends, right? And yeah. if you are constantly recruiting, and focused on building people, you know, or recruiting, however that looks for your company, you're going to be more happy for people and more in abundance than if like three people leave and you're like, oh my God, what am I going to do? So it's like you said, I'm, I'm relentless. And I think that that is a perfect word to talk about when it comes to making sure your business is secure. So if people do leave, you could be like, Hey, congratulations. Can you have your stuff out by Saturday at five? So Susie can start like, love you. Yeah. And we like, whenever I part ways, I would have to say 99% of my team that has left the salon company. We're on really good terms. That's awesome. Like, we try very, very hard to part ways really respectively. Um, so as long as you respect the process, or as long as you respect the salon company, we can still be respectful. And as you know, like this industry is very, very tiny. Like everyone kind of knows everyone. So let's just be respectful and you do your thing. Like if, if salon Nathaniel is not your jam and not your vibe, that's okay. That just means it wasn't for you. And that's fine. Go to a salon and be a rock star there. We are totally cool with that. We just had two people leave for different reasons and we wish them all the best, but we also have four people who are associate training right now that are ready to hit the floor to take those, like to the guests that didn't follow that do want to stay, they can have those guests. 
And the other thing to think about is you're building this culture, this consistency, this service contract, all of these things that your clients are in love with your business. And yes, they may click really well with a stylist Mm -hmm. and they may love that stylist. And maybe they go see that stylist for a few appointments, but they know they always have a place to come back if they want to. And you've got like skilled, talented people ready to go, trained, ready to go. I think it's really important for employee-based salon owners to really think about that too. It's like, if if you get so I was really deep into this, like when somebody left, like the stylist uh, would take the, the clients and like I was very possessive when I was a sonner. I was very I was 23. OK, I was very possessive. I was like, I built you up. These are my clients in your chair that I was seeing in my kitchen. Yeah. You know what I mean? But what does that say? That says that they maybe fell out of love with the salon and fell in love with the stylist, which is fine. But I had lost focus on what was right in front of me. Right. So like as a salon owner, you have to have that focus of really building the best people in the best way and providing that amazing experience that your staff and your clients will be in love with. So that way, if someone does leave, it's not like a horrible thing. And that when I used to, before I bought the, the business, that's how it always felt is like these people were here for a very long time and then people were just leaving. And it was like, oh my God, it's hitting the fan. And now what are we going to do? Let's panic, let's panic. Oh my God, oh my God. I don't feel that way anymore. Like, it's like, you want to leave? That's great. Like, when is your last day? Okay, wonderful. When you leave, we're going to let all of your guests know where you are. Um, no worries. Like you can contact them. As soon as the you know we part ways, contact them, let them know where you are. But when they call here, we are going to let them know where you are. Like, it's not going to be a secret. But what we are going to say is, you know, um, unfortunately, this person is no longer with us. But we do have this person who would love to welcome you in your chair if you would like to stay. Obviously. And, and that's fine. It, why is this? Nobody owns the client. <laughs> no, no. And I think as and like you said, as salon owners, we are we do that. Sometimes we're very possessive, but it's like, we don't own these people. Like that's not our Stylists job. are too. Correct. That, yeah. I, I remember when I left my first salon, I was like, that's my client. Like, <laughs> I was Why so you, psycho. Following me. Yes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a very interesting industry. Like I, I was talking about this at one of my classes. Like it's a very interesting industry when people come and go and like how mm-hmm. that whole thing works, because even Like, I feel like we've come a long way in the industry where we can leave on good terms and it's like more abundance and a lot of salon owners get it. And Mm -hmm. a lot of stylists are far more respectful, but like five, 10 years ago, like it used to be like a lot more cutthroat, but I was talking about it. And I said, I think the reason it's like that in our industry is because we are as hairstylists, we are so like in tune with relationships, like with our clients, with our coworkers. And it's like relationships are like the biggest source of joy. They're also yep. the biggest source of pain sometimes. Right. So I was talking about it. One of my girls just moved on to, she was working with me in the business side and she went back to doing hair. <laughs> it, oh, took wow. me, <laughs> it, it took me a month to like accept it. And it wasn't because I wasn't happy for her. It was because I wasn't going to see her every day. Yeah. And it was like, I was saying to my class, I was like, I would rather have loved and lost than to have never loved at all. Cause like, I really do build like a good relationship. Like I travel with a lot of my people. We're together every day. And I think a lot of it, like it comes to like, it comes to like mourning the fact that you can't see them every day, (laughs) but it takes a minute to be like, okay, 
good, but it always hurts a little bit. Without <laughs> a doubt. I rem- and you've hit on something very key and pivotal too as a salon owner is when I um, got the second location, um, we set probably six stylists down there. Um, within probably three months, we lost half of those people for whatever reason. And I just remember it was a Monday. I was on the floor and I had a stylist reach out to me. She said, like you said before, can we have a conversation? And I'm like, oh my God, it's one more person. She's quitting. I know she's quitting. And she came in and said, I'm leaving. And I'm like, okay, you're the fourth person. There's something wrong. What's going on? Yeah. And I remember I went up to the front desk and I said, clear the rest of my day. I'm going home (laughs) and I'm going to sit down and think this whole thing out. And I want to like, I'm, and I think this is hard for business owners to do, but I, I reflected on the whole entire set. And I said, what did I do to create or not create? What were the signs that I was listening to or not listening to? And if what every situation happens that either doesn't go my way or doesn't feel right, I always say, what was my part in that? And that self-reflection has really gotten me to the next level because I am not perfect. I know I'm not perfect. I know that sometimes I don't do the right thing, but what I am going to do is always make sure that it's fair to everyone, that everyone is going to be treated fairly. And I remember after that moment, I booked a flight to Minnesota for a conference and I took other two other associates with me And I was like, we need this more now than ever, because if we don't change, this is all going down the tubes. And it was such a pivotal point. And I'm like, I think the biggest thing as a salon owner is sometimes you have to humble yourself and look within and say, what was my part in this? I think that's with everybody. And that's really beautiful. And like a huge part of my recovery was making amends and Mm -hmm. The first part of making amends is not the first part, but part of making amends is really realizing, seeing and owning your part in everything. Yeah, And I think that's huge for salon owners, for anybody, because anytime something does not go your way, like we're not always faultless. It's really important to look at that. I I'm glad you brought that up and that's beautiful. Well, thank you. I love that. So, okay. I'm going to shift gears a little bit because this is salon ownership unfiltered. Okay. Okay. So, you know, remember we're talking to salon owners, you had some people hop in, you know, who aren't salon owners, but maybe they want to be someday or whatever. But, um, my, I I have another question and, um, this kind of is the opposite of the question that I just asked about, like, what do you look for in an ideal employee? Do you have any pet peeves? As a boss, like, what are your pet peeves? Oh, and I know this is just me. And I I definitely give a lot of benefit to the doubt because I think if you're going to apply for a job, you should at least know something about the company you're signing up for. So when I say to them, what do you know about our salon? And they're like, I don't know anything. That's such a good question. And I'm like, oh, like, what do you mean? You don't know anything. I've been here for 15 years. Like, go on the website, look at our Instagram, like grab a little bit. Like I had this one um, person apply for a job. And in our questionnaire, we have a pre-interview form that they fill out before we interview them. And this person put down all the wrong information, but at least 
she knew something like she was like saying all the craziest things but i'm like well at least you did a little bit of your due diligence even though it's a little bit wrong but i feel like that to me is a turnoff and i always think about my dad because my dad's like well you can't do it that way sometimes they just don't know i guess that just means you need to you know share more of yourself and i'm like okay dad you're always looking at the positive side of things <laughs> i mean but they could put a little effort a little effort a little more effort yes that is such a good question yeah. what do you know about our company if someone was just like nothing i would just be like okay what are you doing here oh my god Your training is going to be twice as long exactly yes. you're the type that like i always say ask god ask google ask gina like yeah. you're the type that's always going to come ask me first before you ask god or google <laughs> Correct. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Any other pet peeves you want to share? I just think it's a funny. I think that's like any other big ones. Um, I hate when people say no problem. No problem. Okay. I yeah. hate when people say no problem. I'm like, why would it be a problem? <laughs> yeah. Why is it? Why is it a problem? It is because I'm brainwashed, Paul Mitchell. Like my pleasure, my pleasure, my pleasure. Yeah, I love that. I think other pet peeve is getting a resume. So I'm, I don't know if the industry is changing in this regards, but I am so, I think resumes are super important. And I think the information that you apply or you put on your resume kind of shows me the effort you're going to put into this position. So when I get the resume, I scan it, I come up with my questions. And then when I do the interview, if I find out that you've not put everything on it or it's not up to date or it's not current, that does make me feel a certain way because I really do value like your resume. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a dinosaur in that regards. I agree. I, yeah. Oh, okay. Good. I okay, agree. Good. I like, I, yeah, I will look at a resume and be like, this is trash and just throw it yeah. away. <laughs> yes. It doesn't even make sense. What does this even mean? <laughs> Everybody can go on Canva. Like Canva is literally like free, I think, yeah. like to go in and do your resume. You know what else I hate? <laughs> so <laughs> what about like you get a resume and no. then you tell me yes or no. Do you always vet them on Facebook? I always vet them on Facebook. So I'll go on Facebook and they'll be in their profile picture crushing a blunt. And mm. I'm just like, <laughs> not, not going to be the best case. Like, let's put your best foot forward here. <laughs> like I have nothing against like smoke weed. If you want do whatever you want in your life, but like crushing a blunt in your profile picture. like get over Yeah. That it's going to make me think a certain way. <laughs> I, like I, I sometimes I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. Like well, I, course, it's just... from your podcast, I always get like from you, like when you do your interviewing or when you did do your interviewing, you were always like, I always look at their social media, like Instagram, all of that fun oh, stuff. Yeah. And if there is little to none, like you always kind of, you valued that considerably. And when we do that too, like I definitely look you up on Facebook, but I'm also going to look up your profile. So in our pre-interview form, I always, you know, drop your handle in so we could take a look at your profile on, on Instagram. Like, do you have one? Do you not have one? Is it professional? Is it personal? And we kind of look at that too, because as you know, as I know in this industry that is changing dramatically, if you don't have some kind of social media, like what do you have? You know, yeah. you know what? Like, I would love to talk about that briefly. Like for me, I always have on our contact form, like drop your Instagram. We want to see it. Mm -hmm. And I, I do want to look at people's Instagram. And this is why my friend, Ashley, I do. I did her hair forever. 
And mm-hmm. she was like, I was like, Hey, I'm not doing hair as much anymore. I want to make sure you can get in for your regular maintenance. I'm going to recommend Sally, mm-hmm. right? Fake person. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna recommend Sally. And she's like, okay, what's her Instagram? And I was like, uh, I was like her Instagram, she's working on it, blah, blah. And literally her response was next. So like my clients are so used to me being active that one of the things I look for is someone who's active. Mm -hmm. And um, that's something that I really do look for. However, however, I want to add a caveat to that. Mm -hmm. I think that's the right word. If I got an application and I put the Instagram handle and someone wrote to me and said, Hey, Gina, I know you want my Instagram handle. I want to let you know that social media is not part of my career or my mental health. And it's something that I don't want to be involved in and whatever. I would ask them if they were open to creating a top 12 photo, an optimized bio and a profile picture that when people at least land on their page, they could see what they specialize in and book with them, but they don't have to maintain it or do anything. Like if someone really did have that boundary, like I don't want to do this. And maybe they're like, I work with independent artists, different for employment based. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. But honestly, maybe it's not. You know, but if they shared that boundary with me and they had a little bit of flexibility to at least have a landing page where someone could just vet you really quick and Mm -hmm. book you, I think that that's a good compromise rather than putting your Instagram in a trash, like just create a landing page or, and if you're a salon owner, give them that opportunity and guidance. Correct. Brilliant. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Something to think about because some people really hate Instagram and, and social media. And if I didn't make money on it, I don't know if I'd be on it as much. Yeah. And it, it definitely, there there is some healthy and unhealthy boundaries with it. I do have some service providers that they just don't love it. And I'm like, okay, so then we're not going to use it. Like if that is not your jam and it stresses you out and it is a boundary, let's not do it. But what are the other things we're going to do to help fill your chair? Totally. Like there has to be other ways. And I still, in my classes, I ask the class, I say, would you agree that the number one way to get clients even today is word of mouth? And everyone's just like, pretty much like, you know, what you're doing behind the chair, getting people to rave about you and send their friends. Like that is like really how you build. So social media is just icing on the cake. You just don't have to go out as much and put flyers on cars and (laughs) business cards and all that good stuff. You don't have to do that, but yeah. yeah. Utilizing your. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. One more. Well, I have three more questions, but they're short ones. They're short ones. I feel like that we could talk, keep talking for another hour. The same way. Exactly. I love, I love talking to you. You're so awesome. Oh, thank you. And you're inspiring me. Oh, great. (laughs) To open up a commission base a lot. (laughs) Don't inspire me anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glamorizing it all. (laughs) I I don't want to do it, but I kind of want to do it. It's like my favorite part. Like what you're passionate about is like my favorite part. Oh, cool. I love it. Um, All right. So question, quick question. Is your salon gratuity free? There's a lot of chit chat about gratuity free hair salons and how accepting gratuities is bad. Is your salon gratuity free? You're not gratuity free. No. Me neither. <laughs> um, my thing is if if you would like to leave a gratuity and you had an exceptional service and a even better experience, who am I to tell you not to or to tip? Um, I will share, and this isn't a plug for them, um, but have you ever heard of Tippy? I before? have. Okay, so Tippy is something that we acquired when we were 
um, in COVID. Um, and it has been a huge game changer. Um, we, you know, we always say that tip is not a guarantee. It's a suggestion. If you would like to, great. If you don't, that's okay too. I always say like a lot of people say, oh, because you're the owner, I won't, I don't have to tip you. And I say, no problem. Not like you being here is tip enough for me. That's fine. If that's how you feel, it's fine by me. But with the Tippy app, it makes it a lot easier. And if we are going to be salon professionals, we have to um, count tips as income. And I think gone are the days um, where we could just kind of hide that income from the state of Connecticut or whomever. You know what I mean? I know that's going on a whole different tangent. Um, but with the group, with the Tippy app, it makes it a lot easier for those tips can be calculated. Great for the service provider, even better for the salon owner. Um, and yes, we are, we do do gratuities in our salon company. Love that. Amazing. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. So last two questions, what advice would you give to a stylist who wants to open a salon? So there's a stylist listing. It's their dream to open a salon. Like what would you tell them? Like big brother advice? Uh, well, my first thing, and you may have heard about it and I know it's an acronym, but I would have them do a crash course in a course called score. Um, and you can check out your chamber of commerce. Um, we belong to the Mid-State Chamber of Commerce. And when I first was about ready to purchase the salon, the owner said to me, you need to go and take this class. And I think it was like a four-part class. Um, they probably do it through Zoom now, but it's called SCORE. And it's professionals, business owners, business leaders who I think re have retired that give you a crash course in business accounting, how to put a business plan together, a proposal together, um, how to work with banks, how to get funding, how to get loans, um, how to use QuickBooks. Um, I think as salon owners, we I never even thought of those things. I was never about like, you know, inventory budgets and, um, guidelines and and QuickBooks and all I was like I want to paint the walls this color and now it's like wait a minute now I got to balance my books like profit and losses what are we talking about here so I think a crash course with score is probably if you do not have a business mind and you've never taken a business class this is the one to do and I would contact like your chamber of commerce in town to get that information that's great advice Amazing. yeah I yeah. love that and then the last question that I have is for the salon owners listening, what do you think every salon owner needs to like get through their head today? Like what should they know or realize like in this day and age leading this generation in the state that the industry is like, what do you think every salon owner should know? I think that the salon owner needs to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. I think that this industry, even more now than it was 15 years ago, is ever changing. And I think that there are so many different avenues and journeys of doing this industry with whether it's, you know, um, commission based, whether it's um, independent, whether it's booth rental, whether it's this, that we're all doing the same thing. And I think an openness and willingness for like, flexibility is going to be definitely key and huge, 
huge, huge, huge in communication, having communication with your team. Yeah, I love that. And I feel like it rings true to everything we talked about. Yeah, I think so too. I do too. Amazing. Thank you so much, Nathaniel. I could have talked to you for another hour. Oh my God, me too. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. I love it. Well, I'm right down the street if you ever need anything. Yeah, and I definitely. Really I know. Do. I should pop in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would love to come to your place too. Um, I really am so grateful for your time. And you were highly requested. People were like, oh. Nathaniel, Nathaniel. I was like, oh, oh my God. Oh, yeah. It makes but, me very humble. Thank you very much for that. I appreciate that. It's amazing. Keep doing what you're doing. And uh, again, just so grateful for your time. Do you want to let everyone know where to follow you, how to find your salon? Oh my God. Yes. So like Gina said before, we are in Meriden and in Wallingford. Um, the salon on Instagram, um, let me just make sure I'm giving all the right info. Um, on Instagram, it's um, Salon Nathaniel with one N. And then my personal page is uh, Nathaniel.sn underscore. Love it. Awesome. Thank you so, so much. Thank Thank you you all for listening. This has been such a great series so far, and we still have so many more amazing interviews. So thank you for listening. Make sure you leave a rating and review and make sure you go and follow Nathaniel and his salon and see everything they're doing over there. Appreciate you so much. And we'll see you on the next one. Thank you so much for listening to Salon Ownership Unfiltered. This series has been so fun to record. I've learned so much from all of the amazing guests, and I'm so grateful that I'm able to provide this amazing free resource to all of you. It wouldn't be possible without all of my sponsors, my mastermind group, and Educate with Influence because those amazing people and businesses support this free education. So please check Check out all the sponsors. Visit ginabianca.com slash podcast to get all of the information and more resources attached to this episode. I would also love to encourage you to leave a rating and review if you're loving the podcast. All right, that's it. I'll talk to you guys soon and hope you have a wonderful day and I'll see you on the next one.